everybody, this is Rich Sports Talk, broadcasting on SoundCloud, Speaker, TuneIn, and available for download on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Remember, you can reach out to the show at Rich Sports Talk on Twitter, Facebook, and reaching our email, richsportstalk at gmail.com. So it's going to be another edition of Fourth and Goal, and because I love you guys so much, I'm going to give you a bonus topic today. So we're going to actually have five topics on the show today, and this is going to be a fun one because... We had four games, so it's going to be a down per game. So let's get right into it today. I'm going to touch on all games with four interesting topics and then a fifth one that I just had to get to, and I apologize about the delay for this episode, but I promise you this will be a great one. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you are listening. We're going to do this all the way up and through the Super Bowl, but here are the four biggest storylines I took out of the NFL this weekend. And we'll start with the first game on the weekend. And the first topic, it is first... And goal. There are certain windows in the NFL. Teams have windows to win a championship. Last year, Jacksonville had a one-year window. It's closed. And there's another team in the AFC South that their window is officially done. And a team I'm officially out on. And I can no longer ever again consider a Super Bowl contender. And that's the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans, for years... It was excuses. Well, this year was J.J. Watt was there. Well, this year Jadavian Clowney was there. Well, both were hurt. And for the longest time, it was, well, they didn't have a franchise quarterback. Well, now they do. And Deshaun Watson, granted, didn't play well, but he is a legitimate franchise quarterback. I just want to point this out. This loss this last weekend was the biggest loss he's had since high school. Yeah, he's a pretty good quarterback. So I want you to think about this with Houston. This goes back to a couple weeks ago. The Houston Texans, let's let's go back in time a little bit. And I want you to really remember this because this was an important event. And this has been a franchise that they're not a step-up franchise. Whenever there's a big game or wherever there's a moment where they can really set themselves apart as one of the elite teams in the NFL or make a statement in the postseason, they always come up short. And a couple weeks ago, the New England Patriots lost. And then the Texans got the inside track to the number two seed, a first-round bye. All they had to do was win out two games, and they lost to Jacksonville. I want to remind you, Jacksonville has was playing hot potato with its quarterbacks. Its first-round running back they're trying to get rid of after only two years, and their defense had a mental meltdown this year, and the Texans couldn't beat them. This started in that Jacksonville game because the Texans had the inside track. They could have made Tom Brady have to go on the road in the postseason. Instead, they were in the wild card weekend, had to play the hottest team right now in the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts. And once again, despite having Clowney, Watt, and Deshaun Watson, they came up short yet again. The biggest reason why this window is closed is because of the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck is healthy. Andrew Luck is on a contract that, by NFL standards, it's pretty reasonable for a franchise quarterback. He's been reinvented with Frank Reich, who has been one of the coaches that, to be honest, we keep talking, we were like, well, we're saying Matt Nagy should be the coach of the year. We're talking about Sean McVay. Can can we give some love to Frank Reich for going, taking a 1-5 team in the postseason, reinventing Andrew Luck? I mean, stepping in as the second choice for a head coach after Josh McDaniels in the 11th hour said, well, I think I'm going back to New England. I just want you to think about that. 
where the Colts were one and five. Now they've won ten of their last eleven games. Look at this offseason. They have a lot of draft capital. They have extra picks they've accumulated, especially from the Jets trade last year. And oh, by the way, they're going to have close to a hundred million dollars in cap space. And they have one of the best GMs in football, who drafted arguably the best player in last year's draft, guard Quentin Nelson. Drafted the NFL's leading tackler on defense at linebacker in the second round. They know how to pick them in Indianapolis. They've built a great young offensive line that's cheap. This team is going to be great for a long time. And for the Texans, this window is shut. I think Jacksonville will be better next year. I don't think they're going to be back to where they were two years ago. But this this Houston team, the one good thing is they have Deshaun Watson. I think they'll be competitive. I could see them getting into wild cards. Maybe being a 9-win, 10-win team. Look, they've got a lot of talent on that team. But as a legitimate Super Bowl contender or as a team that can make it around the postseason, that's over with. I mean, J.J. Watt was healthy this year. But how many great years does he have left? How many great years did Jadavian Clowney have left? They've had a plethora of talent. DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson. This is a team with a loaded roster. And yet, whenever we get to the postseason, they can never get it done. And even in the regular season, I want you to think about this. Ask yourself, what was the last big win you saw the Texans have? Can't think of it, can you? I'm not saying Bill O'Brien's a bad coach. He's done a lot with a little, in, especially at the quarterback position. But this window in Houston, it's closed. And I'm out on them as a Super Bowl team. You cannot seriously expect them to win a Super Bowl with this roster, and especially now in a division where Andrew Luck is healthy, still in his prime, and his team has an abundance of cap space, a great general manager, and a lot of draft capital. It is over, and I am out on the Texans. Second and goal going to the Dallas game, and this one's going to be pretty short and pretty obvious. Look, I know Dak Prescott's limited. I know Dak Prescott, in my opinion, probably isn't a top 15 quarterback skill set wise. But man, I can't explain it. He wins games. He has stabilized that team and he is going to get paid. I want you to think about this. We live in a league where Kirk Cousins got 84 million guaranteed and was offered 96 million guaranteed by the New York Jets last season and has a well below 500 record against winning teams. Dak Prescott now has won the NFC North in two of the last three years in a division with the defending Super Bowl champions and Carson Wentz and Nick Foles with the Eagles. I just want to remind you of that. Now he's won a playoff game, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but I think you're going to be surprised with my analysis and my picks for the upcoming weekend, the divisional round. By the way, 4-0 on my picks last week. So if you're looking for pick outright, hey, listen to Rich Sports Talk because we got your picks ready to go. I I really like this Dallas team. They got a lot of great young talent. And look, it works with Dak. Dak's got all the intangibles. He's a great leader. And he's clutch. I w- you have to admit he's a clutch quarterback. He's a better Tim Tebow. He could actually throw the ball better, but he's one of those guys. First three quarters, you look and you're like, Man, this guy, he's not that great. And then somehow in the fourth quarter, he makes a big play with the legs, a big throw. I can't explain it, but Dak's going to get paid. And I think if Dak is being a smart quarterback, he'll take a pay cut. He'll take low 20s, mid 20s to help keep some of these young roster around. But you also got to consider he's making $800,000 this year as a playoff quarterback. I think he's going to want to get paid and... 
all I keep saying with every playoff win, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. They're going to have to pay Dak. And look, I think that they have a great defense and a great running game. They're not dead in this postseason. So for the Cowboys, Dak Prescott keeps winning. And that check just keeps getting a little bit fatter. Going into third and goal, and this one was something that drove me nuts with Twitter. I, all I saw in that Baltimore Ravens game was Raven fans booing Lamar Jackson and tweeting that they should have gone to Joe Flacco. Folks, if it wasn't for Lamar Jackson, the Ravens wouldn't be in the postseason. This was a switch and a changing of the guard. I wanted to point this out because whenever you make the move to a rookie quarterback, you don't go back. Because you have to show them that you are confident in them going forward. And Jackson played well in the fourth quarter. Look, did he have a bad first half? Absolutely. Did he look overwhelmed? Yes, but he's also a rookie. He hasn't even started eight games in the NFL. And I understand that people are like, well, wait, Joe Flacco, he's an M he's a Super Bowl MVP. We could put him in. He hasn't played in weeks. And if you think he'd do better against that pass rush than mobile Lamar Jackson, you're out of your mind. And they have made it clear. They are moving on from Joe Flacco. What would have happened if Flacco came in and struggled? Not only did you put in a quarterback who you know you're not going to keep, but you could have dinged the confidence of your young franchise quarterback. Now, I think Jackson's going to be a good quarterback. I don't think I think he's limited throwing the football. I can see him being a 9-10 to win quarterback a year. I don't see him taking the Ravens to a Super Bowl. But they've made that decision that they're going to go with Lamar Jackson going forward. They've tailored that new offense completely around him in that running style. To go from what they were doing and what was successful the last few weeks to going back to a standard offense in one half with Joe Flacco, it wasn't going to work. It just was not going to work. And I understand that Raven fans are frustrated, but these are also the same fans who are saying, well, they should have put Jackson in weeks ago when Flacco was struggling. I will say this, though. I am a little bit disappointed in the Ravens from one standpoint that they're not giving Flacco, I think, the respect he deserves on the way out. This is a guy who made them a perennial playoff contender and won them a Super Bowl. I mean, let's remember he won them a Super Bowl, and it just seems like, all right, the door hits you on the way out, Joe. And Joe's still going to be a good quarterback. I think he will find a team. I think he will be successful, probably not to the degree that he was in Baltimore, but I do think you're going to see him sign with another team. There's going to be a market for him this offseason. But for everyone that was saying, oh, God, Ravens are idiots. They should have traded – they should have brought in Flacco and Bench Jackson. No, they shouldn't have. Jackson got them in the postseason. They wouldn't be here without him. He's their future. He's their current quarterback. And their whole offense is tailored to what he does well. And to change that in a half for a quarterback that you know you're getting rid of makes absolutely no sense. I'll tell you, Jackson, I think he's limited, but he got them in the postseason, and he almost – Dug them out of that hole. And if you thought Flacco, that statue in the pocket, would do better, you're out of your mind. Okay, fourth and goal coming up, and then we're going to have our special fifth down, I guess you could call, but we're doing a special bonus that I just had to get to today. But we're going to go to the last game of the weekend, which to me was a very, very telling game. So here in fourth goal, I wanted to talk about one of the great debates of our time in the NFL, which is Nick Foles or Carson Wentz. And I've said this on this show, 
I'm not the biggest Foles fan. I do think Carson Wentz is a better quarterback. But it did have me thinking this week, and the Eagles are going to have to make a decision soon. And either way, they're probably going to benefit because if they bring back Foles, they can probably trade him for draft capital. There will definitely be a market for him. But one thing I was actually thinking about the other day, and this is a little bit of an out-of-the-box thinking, is if Foles wins this game against the Saints, which I don't think is going to happen, but if he somehow gets this team to another Super Bowl, I know he's limited, and Carson Wentz physically is a better prospect, but would it be out of the question to commit to Foles long-term? Because I was really thinking about this the other day. There are two things for Carson Wentz moving forward that could potentially hurt the Eagles. The first one is health. He's already missed the back end of two seasons in a row. And physically, I think he can't stand up to the punishment at 230 pounds. But one thing I've learned from watching football is guys that tend to have injuries early in their career and big injuries, they don't magically get healthier later on in their career. And I know that these have been some freak injuries, and I understand that, you know, one was an ACL, now one's with the vertebrae, but to me, that's a red flag that he can't stay healthy. And the second thing I was thinking of is the contract. This was Carson Wentz's third season. In his second season, he was a strong MVP candidate. I mean, the Eagles are going to have that fifth option, but they have a two-year window now still on his rookie deal. And I was thinking about this the other day. Foles is 29. And with the way quarterback play is, you could probably get another five to six really great seasons out of him. Now, once I think if he can stay healthy, we'll obviously have the longer career. But I was thinking one stat that really drew that really stood out to me this offseason, this playoff, sorry, was that the top six paid quarterbacks were not in the postseason. And that's telling because they're not able to afford great pieces on that roster. And I was thinking, if Nick Foles could, let's say, get $20 million a year, if the Eagles gave him $100 million, let's say $20 million a year, would they be better off than giving Carson Wentz 30s a year? Because by the time Carson comes up, $35 million a year, maybe even more, isn't out of the question. And then you're not going to be able to sign some great pieces. But if you traded Wentz, you would get a King's ransom for him. And you could stock this team with a lot of great young talent that you could afford to keep around Nick Foles. And I was really thinking about this because we've seen the impact of paying a quarterback that big salary. Once again, the top six outside Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'll give him a pass because of the injury, did not make the postseason this year. And you could see the state of the rosters because they, they're limited on what they can afford. So for the Eagles... To me, my gut is telling me Carson Wentz is not only the better player physically and on the field from what I've seen, and he's younger and you have a longer window, but I was thinking, would it be crazy to maybe trade Carson Wentz? And people and the Eagle fans are thinking I'm crazy, but if let, let's say this. If Nick Foles gets them back to his Super Bowl, I know he's limited, but he works in this system. And the other thing with him, too, is I still think you can get great compensation for Foles if you want to move forward with Wentz. That is understandable as well. 
But it's going to be hard, I think, to sell this fan base that you're moving on from a quarterback in a city where they haven't had success and they're getting rid of their most successful playoff quarterback they've ever had. And Foles is still young by NFL standards. And I do think you can get him on a lot more reasonable contract than Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz would bring you back more draft picks. So I'm just saying, could that be a possibility for Nick Foles fans? I know it sounds crazy, but if you could get a King's Ransom for Carson Wentz, who's now missed back-to-back seasons and postseasons because of injuries, and what I've learned watching the NFL, guys that can get nagging injuries, they usually don't miraculously get healthier later in their career, and the value on him is still high. Would it be out of the question to say give Nick Foles $20 million a year, a reasonable quarterback contract, get a lot of draft picks and capital and build a great roster around him. I mean, it's a little it's out of the box thinking. But it's something that the Eagles should consider, especially if he continues this magical run and I can't explain it. I I'll be on the record, I'll say it once and I'll say it again. I cannot explain Nick Foles. Cuz my brain is telling me Carson Wentz is the better quarterback, but somehow Nick Foles it's just working with Philadelphia. And finally, I had to get to this. And I know it's not a fourth down. So, so if you want, though, we can maybe say that there was a penalty on the last one so we can get another topic in. But there is something that came out yesterday, and I just had to get on this. For anyone that's listening to the show, you know I had my hot seat special throughout the season. You know that tracked the coaches who I had on the hottest seat who got fired. And, of course, all five did get fired in my last episode. And we're looking for eight head coaching vacancies. Now you've heard the, a lot of different things. Bruce Arian's name, Mike McCarthy, Cliff Kingsbury. You've heard a lot of these coaches interviewing with multiple teams and teams interviewing multiple candidates. Yet the Green Bay Packers, who everyone kept telling me, was the best job out there. They were the first to bite. And they signed Matt LaFleur to a four-year contract. I just, just want to give you a second there because most people are saying, who? I'm giving you a chance to go on Wikipedia to look him up. Basically, he was the offensive coordinator for the Titans last year. A team that at times, until Derrick Henry got hot, struggled offensively. Then that was his first year calling plays before he worked with Sean McVay. And once again, I know Sean McVay is the hot commodity in the NFL. And basically, if you were his valet for the Rams over the last two seasons, you're probably going to get a coordinating job at some point in your career. But to me, when I read this report, it became very clear The Green Bay Packers, and I understand why, are beholden to Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers wanted to get a coach that wouldn't push back. Aaron Rodgers wants to play his own game. He wants to run the offense the way he sees fit. Because there are better candidates out there. In my opinion, there are coaches out there. Josh McDaniels, there was reports that he would be interested in that. But from all accounts, LaFleur, kind of a quiet guy, not as fiery as some of these other guys. But more importantly, I don't think 
Aaron Rodgers will get pushback from LaFleur. People are going to say, well, wait a minute. He's an offensive coach. He could help Aaron Rodgers. They fired Mike McCarthy, who helped Aaron, who helped uh, Brett Favre at the back end of his career and helped develop Aaron Rodgers. To get a guy, I want to remind you, let me remind you, has only had one year of play calling experience as an offensive coordinator in the NFL and was limited in success with the Tennessee Titans. Okay. To me, this just tells me Aaron Rodgers just wanted a coach. That's not going to say no to him. That's not going to push back. That's not going to tell him to fit into a system. Because Aaron Rodgers, he's got that money. And right now, he is basically telling the organization he wants to do it the way he wants to do. And that, to me, I think is going to hurt him in the long run. Because for me, Aaron Rodgers, the end is closer than we think. I mean, he's already had back-to-back seasons where he's been banged up because he's running outside the pocket. And without question, physically, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen. Probably the greatest. But he won't adjust. Instead of taking the five-yard out to just get the first down, he wants to scramble and try to look for that 35-yard bomb down the field. And he takes shots, and he's taking a beating. And outside of trying to prove a point that he didn't need Mike McCarthy, this could have been the second year he would have finished the season on IR. And I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers doesn't deserve to be the highest-paid quarterback. He does. But he has to understand that now he's limited. Green Bay's not a great free agent destination. They're an okay team with drafting talent. They do have some good receivers, but they're limited on what they can give him. You look at Brady and Breeze. Why are their rosters so talented? It's because both of them have taken pay cuts. I think Aaron Rodgers, before it's all said and done, is going to have to do that, especially if he wants to win another Super Bowl because the Bears, that defense isn't going anywhere. That Vikings roster, even though it's limited with Kirk Cousins at the quarterback, is still loaded in that division. And if you look around the NFC, most of those teams, they have their quarterback. So for Aaron Rodgers, to me, this hiring was very simple. And it said it without saying it publicly. Aaron's going to run the offense and do what he wants to do because we got a head coach that's not going to push back. And it also tells me that if you have come into contact with Sean McVay, you're going to get a job in the NFL because he's the hot commodity. And he's a great coach without question. But before we make him the first Belichick, I want to remind you this. If they lose this weekend, he will be 0-2 in divisional rounds at home, and he will not have won a playoff game as a head coach. I love Sean McVay, but I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. He's a great coach, and I think he'll be a great coach for a long time. But you look at guys that have come out of the Andy Reid coaching tree, They've been fantastic, but Andy Reid has been doing this for a long time. Right now, it just seems like if you were in the room when Sean McVay made a speech, or you were the valet at the LA Coliseum, or even if you were the ball boy, teams are just going to hire you because they want that Sean McVay magic. McVay's going to get a lot of people fired. Why is The only reason Cliff Kingsbury is getting a look is because he reminds people of Sean McVay because he, he looks like the young, handsome coach that knows offense. 
even though he has a sub-500 record in the Big 12, which to me, I don't know why people are looking at him as an offensive core, sure, but as a head coach, I'm still scratching my head about that. But to me, this hiring by the Green Bay Packers, they could have gotten a guy that would challenge Aaron Rodgers to push him, to make him better, to make him play from the pocket. But instead, to me, and the way I read this, they got a guy that's not going to push back and let Aaron Rodgers do whatever he wants. It's going to be interesting. Aaron Rodgers is still going to be a great quarterback, but he's got to realize he doesn't have a lot of time left. And for as great as he is, he only has one ring. I mean, think about it. In his lifetime, Brady's going to have five. Roethlisberger has two. Eli has two. Russell Wilson has one. Peyton Manning has one, too. There's a lot of great quarterbacks in this era. And he's only had one Super Bowl ring. And for as great as he is, that could ding his legacy moving forward. But once again, I, I just I just look at this Packers hiring. It just seems like the guy, yes, man. That's that's how I'm reading it. They got a guy that's not going to push back there in Rodgers. Like, uh, when you heard all the candidates out there, let, let's be honest, for my audience who knows football, you've heard McCarthy, you've heard Arians, you've heard even Todd Bowles, you've heard Kingsbury. Who in their right mind heard of Matt LaFleur until yesterday as a head coaching candidate? Did anyone? I'm going to look to Vegas. I got to look this up because I'm going to have to do some research and I'll let you know in a later episode. But what were the odds he was going to be a head coach? Like, what was the money? Like, if you put a dollar down, you'd probably be a billionaire right now that he's a head coach. But, man, that's going to do it for this episode of Rich Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of our latest episodes. That is on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Speaker, or iTunes. Thank you so much once again for joining us. Make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of our fourth and goal going forward. Of course, later this week, I'll have my divisional picks. We were a perfect 4-0 last week in the wild card weekend, so make sure you tune into that. Of course, keeping up with the NFL, NBA throughout the season, and MLBs just around the corner. Lots of great content coming up. Make sure you don't miss it only here on Rich Sports Talk.